Well, this morning, um, as we came near the completion of our uh, series on worship, and I was pondering what direction we should go and how I should wrap it up and, and what should happen next, I was convicted that I should do what we're going to do today, um, that we have been asking God over and over again to do a great work in our lives when it came to our time of worship, help us understand worship more, help us to be involved in worship in a greater way. And so I really felt like the Lord would have me go the direction we're going today and, and, and where we're started um, with this particular message. Many, many years ago, about 16, as best as I can recollect and, and, and find, I, I preached a few messages entitled, Rightly Receiving the Word of God, How to Listen to a Sermon. I have shared that message in Bible studies a handful of times over the years. I have used them in small groups on more than one occasion. But I really feel like this is a worthwhile thing for us to do again today. Uh, after our journey through worship, after focusing in on all sorts of different aspects of how to worship and what the Bible says about worship, I just, I just thought it would make good sense for us to, to take this thing that, that we do, that is listening to a sermon, being in Bible studies, which is a big part of our worship, and say, okay, how are we doing that? How, are we doing it in the right way? Are we doing what we need to be doing? You may have, you may have heard this before, um, and I say I'm sorry for that, and yet I think it's worthwhile material. The handout that you have in your bulletin today is what we will be going over over the next three weeks. This is absolutely no different than the handout that I gave out in early 2001. Um, when I preached this before. So this is what we've done a long time ago. So if you remember doing this, you are a person with a great memory. That is awesome. If you still have this piece of paper, you are to be commended. That is really something, all right, because it was a really long time ago. So this is what we're going to do. So you, this will only be in your bulletin today. We'll have extra ones on the welcome table, but you need to bring this back with you the next couple of weeks. This is a rare treat for you all. I don't do outlines. So this, this is exactly what I'm preaching over the next couple of weeks. Here it is, all right? So if something happens and I get deathly ill next week, any one of you can stand up and walk through this, and we will have a sermon, all right? So you can be prepared for that. So this is an outline of exactly where we're going. It is entitled, Rightly Receiving the Word of God, and how we can, how we can do it. We are going to do an introduction today. Then next week, we're going to talk about the principles that you apply prior to listening to the Word of God. Then the following week, we're going to, we'll be talking about during the Word of God and after the Word of God. We'll be doing that over the next couple of weeks so that we can get this. Teaching is really what we do. We gather together for worship, and a large part of that of worship is indeed listening to a sermon. A large part of what we do on a regular basis in this church is gathering together for Bible studies, for classes, for instruction. Well, it seems to me that we might know how to do that a little bit better. We might prepare for that. We might get ready for that. And that's what this is all about. This is just practical stuff that is, that is really kind of a, a Bible study type thing. 
um, far more than a little preaching at times. But it's important stuff. This is really, really good. This was given to me by a friend years ago who, who said, you need to listen to this. And he gave me the cassette tape. So there you go. Now you know. He gave me the tape and said, you need to listen to this. And I listened to that, and I tweaked it a little bit. I used much of his material. And what you have in front of you is exactly what he gave me. It was from a, a guy named A.N. Martin. And this is his material by and large. As I said, I've changed a little bit. I've added some things. I've subtracted some things. But he deserves the credit for this and taking us down this path of what we ought to be doing. I think that, that what this is is incredibly worthwhile. I think that it's incredibly worthwhile for us to stop and think, all right, I'm going to be listening to a sermon. I'm going to be in a Bible study. What do I need to do to make sure that I get the most out of that Bible study so that I am not, as God condemned in Joel today as we looked at, the, the, the ripping your clothes on the outside but not doing anything about rendering your heart. We want to not just go through the motions. We want to make sure that we are where we need to be for the Lord. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. And I hope that it is an incredibly worthwhile thing for you. And I think, hope you enjoy it over the next couple of weeks. If you are faithful in your attendance during the year 2017, if you take advantage of all the opportunities that you have to attend preaching, Bible studies, the teaching of the Word of God in group settings, not on your own, in home, in the car, at work, those kinds of things, in group settings. If you take advantage of all the things that just Areola Bible Church offers to you, you will sit somehow, some way, under the Word of God between 50 and 200 times in the next 12 months. In a typical adult life, that means between 5,000 and 12,000 times you do this, what you're doing right now. You sit, you have your Bible, you by and large are paying attention to somebody who is teaching and giving you the Word of God. Maybe you're interacting a little bit. This activity between five and 12,000 times your lifetime, between 50 and 200 times, depending on how much you do, over the next 12 months. Any way you, any way you look at that, that's quite a few. That's a lot. So maybe we ought to Get the most out of those opportunities, and that's what this study is all about. If we're going to do something so regularly as this, we probably should give it some insight and give it some time and, and say, all right, well, what do we need to do to make sure that that is going on properly so that we are getting what we ought to get out of it? I think that this is an absolutely good use of our time. This idea of, we've been talking about worship over and over again, but we can expand that phrase, and we can use that phrase, coming to church, it ought not to be a drudgery. It ought not to be a pain. It ought not to be done haphazardly either. Throw on your clothes real quickly and haphazardly go out to recreate. Don't throw on your clothes real quickly and come to this place in a haphazard way. We have talked about that as we have looked at worship. This ought to be one of the highlights of Christians' lives. Worship service. Teaching times. Instruction with the Word of God. I mean, honestly, 
do you know what we're doing here? Just, just this 30 to 40 minutes that we do this, really. We take our Bibles that we believe with all of our hearts are the words of God himself. And me or somebody else stands in front of you and says, open your Bibles to this place and let's dissect and interpret and understand and tear apart and make sense and apply it to our lives this week. Is that a pretty cool activity or what? That's pretty special. That's what we're doing. And so that deserves our attention. That deserves us doing it right. So because we're part of a, of a, of a Bible church, listening to a sermon becomes a pretty big deal. It becomes what we do. We sing that last song. Uh, the group go down. We all settle in. We open up our Bibles. I pray, Lord, instruct us now. We're going to look at your word. Tell us what it is that you want us to know from your word. That's big stuff. And, and, and this thing that we do should change us. This should not simply be added on to the list of things we do for the sake of doing. This should change us. God's word's powerful. It's amazing. Are we putting ourselves in a position to be changed by God's work? Something should be happening in our lives. Listening to a sermon so that it affects us in our behaviors and our activities, that's something that can be learned. We can learn how to do that. It is something that we should all do and care about, do we? Do we? And I hope that you think about that as we look at these principles over the next couple of weeks. Today's an introduction. And as I said earlier, I am going to follow your outline so you're able to know exactly where I'm going. The first thing is simply this, and this stuns people sometimes when you talk about it in, this ter in these terms. There is no automatic blessing through the mere listening of sermons. There is no automatic blessing through the mere listening or hearing of sermons. There just isn't. I can come and I can listen to this and you can listen to this and our mind can be a million miles away. We could be thinking about the troubles we're having. We can be thinking about what we're doing tomorrow. We can be thinking about where we're going for lunch. We'd be thinking about all sorts of different things. And just because we're there and just because our ears are having something go into them and our brain is registering those words does not mean that we are being blessed automatically simply because that is going on. Throughout the Bible, and this is an important thing, throughout the Bible, the doctrine, the teaching of rightly teaching the Word of God and the doctrine of rightly listening to the Word of God are taught. Both of those things. We understand that there is false teaching, and we understand that that is condemned in the Bible over and over again. Well, 
we're going to look at a couple of passages this morning that says just listening without actually taking it in and making it a part of you, that's just as bad, and that is condemned as well. I want you to ponder something, and I want you to think about it, not just now, but I want you to think about it all week and into next week. I want you to think about this whole idea of coming here and sitting and listening to God's word and understanding, as I said a moment ago, this is a privilege. This is big stuff. That we have an opportunity to ask the Spirit of God to instruct us. That the fact of the matter is that, that, is that week after week, usually it's me, there is somebody that is in front of you who has been gifted by God in certain areas and can put together a message so that it makes sense and so that you can take it and apply it to your life. That's a privilege. That's a pretty amazing thing. And we need to, we need to know that. And, and, and I want to say this then. I want to just go one step further. You need to know that then within Christianity that what we're doing here when it actually comes to opening up the Bible and saying what does God have to say, that's not happening everywhere else across America in what are called churches today. It's just not. There's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of observations and there's a lot of talking about this or that that have nothing to do with God. We're about the Bible here and what he has to say. And so this is big stuff. So we need to make sure that we're embracing it. I need to make sure that I am coming before you and clearly and properly and effectively communicating it. You need to come here before me and make sure that you are embracing it and allowing it to effectively do what it's supposed to do in you. That's how this works. So our first passage that we want to look at is found in Ezekiel chapter 33 that is talking about the fact that there is absolutely no automatic blessing in hearing the word of God. This is, a, this is an amazing little passage. In Ezekiel chapter 33, Ezekiel 33, beginning at verse 30, Not in that book very often. Ezekiel, chapter 33. It says this, beginning in verse 30. But as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come, come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. Because Ezekiel was a prophet. He was a man of God. And he was a guy who proclaimed truth on a regular basis to these folks. Behold, it says in verse 31, they come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and they hear your words. But they do not do them for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes after their gain. Notice verse 32. Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not practice them. You are like the one that is performing in front of them, and they come, and they sit, and they say, Oh my, did you hear Ezekiel today? That man can really talk. 
that man really lays it out. I mean, just sitting there, one can be mesmerized by what he says and how he says it. He's so eloquent. He's so thoughtful. He's so good with his delivery. He is so wonderful. They're not too long. They're not too short. Man, this guy is good. And one would say who just heard that, so what did he have to say? I don't know, but it was good. It was good. That's what God said was going on with Ezekiel. They're just going to concert. You happen to be the guy up front. Ezekiel, these people really aren't paying attention to you. So there's no automatic blessing from the mere hearing of sermons. Because if there was a blessing of hearing the sermons, God would have said, Ezekiel, it doesn't matter what they're there for. They're there, and their ears are with them, and so they're hearing it. Preach on, man. He didn't say that to Ezekiel. He said, I just want you to know, they're coming to you like a concert, like a star. And they're really not hearing anything that God is saying. People wanted to go hear the mighty man of God. They wanted to say, I have been in Ezekiel's presence. They wanted to say that I sat under his teaching. The problem, they weren't listening to what he had to say. Nobody was debating Ezekiel. Nobody was heckling him down. Nobody was ushering him off the stage. Nobody was stoning him. Nobody was saying your words aren't worthwhile. People were flocking to hear what Ezekiel had to say. They weren't listening. They weren't paying attention. They were simply an audience that was being an audience for the sake of being an audience. That was it. They were going to the preaching like they would go to a singer. Wow, they said as they left, that man, he is really something. I want you to notice that it says in verse 33, so when it comes to pass, as surely it will, then they will know that a prophet has been in their midst because God's word does go forth. And so God said, there will be a day, Ezekiel, when they'll look back and they'll say, blew that. I listened to the prophet. I listened to the man of God. But I didn't hear anything he had to say. God said, there'll be a day when they'll look back and they'll understand, Ezekiel. Preach on. Continue to minister. Continue to do your thing, Ezekiel. Because one day... They'll look back and they'll understand. But God said right now what's going on is that they are not there and listening and hearing properly, and it's just a waste for everyone involved. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Beginning at verse number 22. It says, But prove yourself doers of the word and not mere hearers who delude, delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. It is interesting, isn't it, that in this particular passage, James says, make sure that you are a doer of the word. 
that which you hear, you do, because that's when it's going to matter. You know, it's interesting that many people within Christianity think that deception only comes when you're dealing with false prophets. That the only time that we're going to be deceived as a believer is with a false prophet. And yet, it is interesting that it says right here in this verse that the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, but not having become a forgetful hearer, is an effectual doer, this man will be blessed. The one who hears and does, the one that allows the word of God to sink in and change them, transform them, that person will be blessed. But it says earlier in 22, but prove yourself to be doers of the word and not mere hearers only who delude or deceive themselves. You know where the deception comes in? Is that since I look back, since we're looking backward and forward, we don't have very far to look forward in 2017, or there's a long ways in 2017. Well, let's look back to 2016, and we can say, you know what? I did a little math about what you said, and sure enough, I, I listened to a sermon or a Sunday school class or something like that. I listened to something like that 133 times. Pretty cool, huh? And in saying that and in doing that, what we've done is we've just deluded ourselves because we've said, because I listened 133 times, Something remarkable happened in my life 133 times. Not necessarily so. We delude ourselves because we simply show up. Showing up is a really good thing, but it's not enough. We've seen that in worship over and over again. There's more to it. It is that we understand that the word matters. James goes on and he says, if anyone, in verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. It, it's this. It's this. It's that you look at your watch, and, and not two minutes later, somebody says, what time is it? I got to look at my watch. It registered to us what time it was for whether we needed to be somewhere or not. It didn't register to, to us what time it was. Because we didn't look intently and know. Well, I looked at my watch about two minutes ago, so it should be 12.04 now instead of 12.02 now. And the Bible says that what we need to do is look intently in the Word of God. That when... when when we're doing this together and we're looking at passages, that, that it, it matters and we're saying, all right, he says that that's what this means. Am I understanding that that's what that means? Am I understanding as he, as, he, as he implies certain things here? Am I understanding the application here? Am I getting these words? Are you looking intently at the word of God? Or are you saying, you know, I have been in church. I'm not at that 20,000 time yet, but I'm up in the 12, 13... 14, 15,000 time, I've heard sermons on this. Can we move on, please? And that's something that happens in our lives also. Are we looking intently at the Word of God so it will matter to us? James says in verse 26 that you can, you can, you can be about this thing called religion and it can be worthless to you. 
you're not transformed and if it's not seen in your life. It's not simply the hearing. It's more than that. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 2. It says this, For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith with those who heard. It's not just the word of God going forth. It's, it's, it's that when those hear it, they need to embrace it as well. Yeah, that's what it says here. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because they didn't, they didn't unite it by faith. It didn't profit them. They heard the word of God, but it didn't profit them. Boy, let us never be those that come and sit and hear the word of God, but it doesn't profit them because we're not then saying, all right, what does this mean? Not what does this mean to me today sitting in the pew on Sunday morning. What does this mean to me tomorrow in real life? What does this mean when I go home and I'm struggling with that issue? What does it mean when I, when I am faced with this? What does it mean when I get into that situation? Am I putting the word of God by faith into my life? By faith. I believe that it is true. I believe that it matters. I believe that it needs to be practiced in this way. By faith. I do that. By faith. Are we doing that? Or are we just listening? Luke chapter 8 is the next one. Still under this whole thing about there's no automatic blessing to the mere hearing of sermons. Luke chapter 8. This is the, this is the story of the, the parable of the seed, the sower, and the soils. Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse number 4. When a large crowd was coming together and those from various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed some, and it, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot by the birds of the air, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil, and it grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. And as he said these words, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant, and he said to them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that it will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and those who have, they have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, those are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring 
no fruit to maturity. But the seed on the good soil are those who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. The problem with all four cases or the issue with all four cases in this parable is the soil. Every time it's the soil, not the seed, not the one planting. It is the soil. Whether the seed grew had nothing to do with how good-looking the planter was, had nothing to do with the methods of the planter, had nothing to do with what the planter was doing and how he presented it. The question simply over and over again is, how's the soil? How's the soil? The issue is where the seed was planted. Notice what it says in verses 16, 17, and 18. He, he goes on to another parable. Now, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen, Jesus said. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. Take heed to what? To how you listen. Because as you listen and you embrace it and you take it in, more will be given to you. But if you listen and you reject it and you don't pay attention to it and you don't practice it, well, then you're that person that you're going to have less and less as time goes by. How is it that some can listen to dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of great sermons and wonderful teaching and never be any different than they were before they started that adventure? And those others can listen to those same sermons and they're totally transformed and they're different people. It's the soil. It's the heart. It's, are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we embracing? Are we uh, uh, following through with the challenges that God has given us in the Bible? Are we doing what he says to do? When the Bible says, do this, are we then going home and practicing it? Are we those kinds of hearers? Those are the people that are transformed. As opposed to those that hear the exact same thing, and blow it off and decide not to make that change in their life. It's not just hearing. It's doing something with it that is going to matter in the end. What are we doing with the Word of God? The challenge before us is that we would practice what the Bible says, therein lies the hearing. Therein lies what we ought to be doing as we gather together. I want to appeal to your logic today. I want to appeal to your common sense today in this area on the fact that there is just no automatic blessing to simply the mere hearing of sermons. There's no transformation just because we hear. Something else has to happen. When you are, when you hear the word of God and the Spirit of God convicts you in an area, you then need to do something with it. And if you don't, 
the process stops right there. Right there. We use the, I used the example this morning, a simple, silly little example, but it, easy to talk about, is that this aisle is that the Bible condemns do not walk. Do not walk on that aisle, it says. Don't do it. Well, you all have a choice then as soon as you leave. What are you going to do? You're going to walk out that way or you're going to walk out that way? Am I going to walk down and go that direction or am I going to say, God says don't. I need to go that way. And that's what it boils down to over and over again in our lives. What is it that, what is it that I'm going to do with what God has given me? Am I going to respond to that? Just hearing the fact that God says, don't walk down this aisle doesn't transform me. It's that I, I call upon the Holy Spirit to empower me that I might not walk down that aisle. It's that he equips me and I listen and obey in obedience to his voice of don't walk down that aisle. That's the hearing that transforms. Let's be honest for just a moment. Many of this, many of us in this room today have heard enough sermons or sat in on enough Bible studies, listened to enough messages in our lifetime to transform a thousand lives a thousand times over. Let's just be honest. We have. We're good Christian folk. We go to a Bible church. Does it mean that we have been transformed? Maybe, maybe not. This cannot simply be a weekly religious exercise. This must be more. It needs to be more for me, and it needs to be more for you. If we are going to be those people that see the, 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 the harvest just explode by the power of God, at work in us. Think about all the times that you've come to this place and you've come in an apathetic way and you've left in an apathetic way. Or think about the times that you've come, maybe in an apathetic way, maybe in an expectational way, and you've heard and you've talked to the Lord about it and you've gone out of here with plans to apply it to your life. Big difference. And we've all been there. We've all done that. Now, I know what the Bible says about God's word will not... Uh, excuse me. I know what, uh, what the Bible says about God's word accomplishing what it is that God sent it out to do. I get that. I know what Isaiah 55 says. I know what Hebrews 4 says that God's word will go forth and it will accomplish things. Absolutely, that is the truth. But our focus for the next couple weeks is going to be on what we as listeners need to do, not what God as God needs to do. Okay? We want to focus in on the other part of it for a little while. 
God's word does accomplish things. God's word does accomplish great things. But the fact of the matter is, and we all know this, every single one of us has a choice when we leave this building today. This aisle or that aisle. Every one of us. What are we going to do? God's word does transform. But when we are given the command, this is what God says you should do. We have choices about what we're going to do about that. We really do. And that's what we're faced with this morning. What are we doing with God's word that has been given to us, that is proclaimed to us, and that is shared with us on a regular basis? As I said, what we'll do over the next couple of weeks is we'll go through this handout. Do not get used to these things. This is a rarity. Okay? We're going to go through it. <laughs> we'll study it. It's there for you. You guys can go through it ahead of time, and you'll know exactly what I'm going to preach about next week. Because we're going to talk about the principles to apply prior, during, and after the listening of the Word of God. I want to close with simply this this morning. What if, what if, what if by some remarkable set of circumstances I could announce to you this morning that, that something special is going to happen next week? God has privileged us with the Apostle Paul coming back to life and he's going to preach to us next week. That's kind of far-fetched. What if I could announce to you that Charles Stanley was going to be on this pulpit? Charles Swindoll, John MacArthur, David Platt, David Jeremiah. Man, the word would get out. People would be buzzing and talking, and the place would be overflowed, wouldn't it? Why? Because a celebrity was going to be on this platform, or because a celebrity was going to talk about God on this platform? It's a pretty fine line there, isn't there? If I shared that one of your heroes is going to be here, you would be anticipating even today for next week. Well, let me say this. With all of my flaws and with all of my warts and bumps and hiccups and problems, I'm going to be here next week. But I'm going to stand here and I'm going to share with you what God would have you to know. I'm going to say this is what the Lord would have you to know today. That ought to be just as exciting to us as anything else. We're going to listen to God next week. He's going to happen to use this flawed instrument. But it's God speaking next week. Let's gather again. And let's see what he has to say. Father, thanks for our time together. I just pray that you would take what we're talking about with these principles and you would apply them in our lives and that we would embrace them. Lord, that we would we would understand that simply by showing up and, and hearing isn't enough. Just our, our ears in the building doesn't do it. There's got to be more. And, and you have taught us what more there is, and we're going to study it, but you, you, you've, you've taught us. We probably all could answer it already. I pray that we would embrace truth. We practice truth. We would be transformed 
by truth. Give us great anticipation for when we gather next, whether it be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, next Sunday, one of the other days for a Bible study, for a gathering, that we would be excited not about the people or the food or the, the surroundings, but we'd be excited about, let's hear from God. Let's see what God has to say. Do a great work in our lives. Change us. Get us to that point for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.